Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining, and shortly I'll be joined by my co-host, Jeremy Dunn, waiting for him to call into the system tonight. Um, Tonight we have a special guest on. We have uh, Nina Martinez, who um, has become a a personal Facebook friend of mine. Um, We chat on the phone every once in a while, and um, she's excited. So I'm going to bring Jeremy on first. Jeremy, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm okay. Oh, what a day, what a day. Yeah, how was your week? It was good, actually. Um, We got, let's see, what is going on? How was my week? It was good. It it, it was busy, busier than I really wanted it to be, but (laughs) I didn't get any of what I needed to get done done. But uh, but other than that, it it was relatively quiet. Well, that's good really good. My week was pretty uh, quiet. Uh, last Wednesday, we had on Mark Olmsted, who uh, talked about HIV in prison, which is pretty interesting. Um, if you didn't uh, listen to that, I, I'd advise that you do for the listeners out there who may have missed it. Um, it was a really good uh, educational show, knowing you know what it's like to be in prison with HIV, because a lot of people don't think of those people and what they're right. going So it was good that... Um, he called in and shared, and then we have even had a, a new guy um, who just joined the site uh, call in and, and ask some personal questions about disclosure. He was newly diagnosed only like a few weeks. So uh, he found the radio show and called in and was asking a whole bunch of questions. So I thought that was very cool because, you know, that's why we're here, to teach people and to have, you know, an open forum for people to call in no matter what guests we have on. So I think it's important think that people realize. It's... It's interesting, isn't it, how how people prison and the thought of prison sex. <laughs> yeah, he oh, said wait. a lot of it wasn't going on there. He said it didn't. It don't happen like you see in movies. It's not like that, he said. Well, at least it wasn't when he was in prison, you know, in 2004. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Sure. So it was a good show. Um, if you missed it, you can always check any of the past shows as well. We have going on. Um, tonight's guest is Nina Martinez, and I uh, was speaking a little bit about her before I brought you on, Jeremy. Um, a little bit about Nina. Nina's uh, premature birth in San Jose, California, facilitated the need for a blood transfusion that infected her with the HIV virus in 1983. However, it wasn't until 1994 before her infection came to light during an accidental preoperative test. She was eight years old, so she was. She had the blood transfusion, obviously, when she was a baby, and she's now just turning 26 um, in a few weeks. And I think it's an amazing thing that she's lived 26 years and she's coming on to share her personal story. Um, and it's important that you know, people who are newly diagnosed get to see somebody like her who's putting 
herself out there to share her story with other people. It's important to give hope, and she offers a lot of that, and she's going to go into her story later on when she comes on. But she's been, I mean, she's, been, she's done a lot for 26 years old. Um, she works for the United Nations, the CDC. I mean, amazing stuff that she's done. So um, I'm excited to have her on. I met – go ahead. Oh, no, no. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say I actually um, – oh, we'll talk about that when she comes on. Go ahead. You're good. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, God, 26. Doesn't that make <laughs> you feel old now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right now I feel old. Yes. Yes. Now we have somebody on who's, who's younger than Rob. I'm so excited. And I think that's one of the great things about, you know, her coming on and sharing her story is that she is, you know, younger and she's a straight female. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think that it doesn't affect that. Those, you know, straight females don't get this disease and people still are blindsided thinking it's just a gay disease. How the hell are we going to relate to her? <laughs> oh, trust me, I'm sure. <laughs> the gay man, <laughs> trust me, she's a hoot and a half. I love her to death. I've been She's a hoot and a half. A hoot and a half. A hoot and a half. That's better. Is that better than a hoot nanny? That's better than a hoot nanny. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to bring her on. I have her here on the line here. So, Nina Martinez, welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Hey, Robert. Hey, Jeremy. How are you? Hey, Nina. I'm well. How are you? Happy to make a new friend. I was like, I don't know anything about Jeremy, really. And I, you know what? It's it's pretty much we're going to get naked right here on your show. Awesome. This is how intimate awesome. we're going to get. And I'm I'm surprised Robert didn't say Hooters, actually. I'm, I'm Hooters. Hooters. Thanks. Thanks for spreading that on Facebook, by the way, you know? I love it. And so, well, I have a disclaimer to make, not, okay. not the okay. usual one I'm used to making. But um, my phone is actually one of those phones that works off of wireless hotspots. So just like your radio show, it's very contingent on Internet access. Okay, so, so if we out, lose you? I'll call back. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, Rock on. Oh, yes, getting naked. So let's get back to the naked part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nina, um, 1983, tell me that wasn't your birth date. <laughs> no, no, no. See, my my AIDS and my birth date are two different days. You know, okay. my AIDS's birthday is is actually in August third of eighty three. Okay. So, I I celebrate my birthday on June twenty second, and then six weeks from now, I'll have another party for my HIV. So, oh, it'll be twenty six years 26. in in August. Wow, twenty six. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to dwell on how young you are. He's <laughs> <laughs> jealous. Nina. I'm twenty six. I'm 26, but I feel 40. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So, I'm, I'm starting an online petition, actually, to change age, sex, and location to um, AIDS, sex, and location. Just to, <laughs> we're trying to evolve with the times here, you know. And so, exactly. Exactly. Got to bring it up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you're funny. Is anyone going to ask me about my Friday night? What was, your, was, your, Friday was your Friday night? I'm I'm trying to start this new thing where I'm trying to replace HIV with FUN, and so <laughs> after 20 something years, I'm I'm finally starting to have fun with my life. Um, 
I decided to get dressed for this show. It was a pretty much a day-long endeavor because I'm still rubbing icy hot all over my legs because my fighting night was that awesome. <laughs> but not in the way that you think. <laughs> what happened was on – are you guys familiar with Tyler Perry? Yes. The uh, African-American – well, he has the studios here in Atlanta. So I answered an ad on Craigslist, something a straight woman would totally do. And they were looking for a laugh track participant. So they basically paid you to laugh for an hour and a half. They paid you $50, right, Ooh. to laugh for an hour and a half. And then you got some information on how to become an extra for the show. I don't really qualify because I'm a short Hispanic woman, and that's not really their demographic. Um, <laughs> that was the earlier part. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I was going to make a really off-color joke about how, you know, they're nominating one to the Supreme Court. So you can be anything. Oh, no, I'm totally writing to the Department of Labor Secretary because I'm currently unemployed. So <laughs> if I can't pay the rate card, there's my rate card. You use whatever um, you can. That's, that's what I'm all about. But the part where I got into trouble Friday night was I actually went to a concert here in Atlanta, and I went out to uh, promote this band from Sweden called The Sound. And um, in continuing my online answering ads, things like that, they solicited on MySpace to get uh, local volunteers to help promote the band. I seriously walked around for about seven hours. And when I wasn't walking, I was getting on my knees for this band, talking to people and trying to promote the music. And the perks of that were um, that I got free entry into the show because No Doubt was playing as well. And um when they come back in the fall, this band from Sweden, the lead singer is phenomenally hot. She is my lady crush for real. Um, <laughs> that when they come back to Atlanta, I get VIP for this concert. So, so, so who is that, that again? The Sound? Yeah. You, I guess my, it, it's go ahead. A, you know, you young people, you, you have all of this crazy music going on. <laughs> no, no, is but she's amazing. <laughs> yes, They're called yes. The Sound? Yes. Hmm, she's fun. She's really nice. Well, and so because I walk so much that day, I have short hamstrings. I'm a short person. If anybody's ever pulled their hamstrings, they severely tightened up, and I, I, could, I still couldn't walk today. Oh. What a pain in the ass. That is um, a pain. Jeez. I know. So I'm totally not having any AIDS-related problems. I'm just having growing <laughs> pains for real. <laughs> oh, Nina, you're so friggin' funny. I told you she was a hoot and a half. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> okay. And you're so only back four to, hours to, away. That's right. So I'm in that's Charlotte, right. North Carolina, and you're down in Atlanta. Hey. That's right. You never know. We're all on the East Coast. Door, I'd right? like to send some West Coast love to to California and all that to all you listeners, and mostly love to the chat room people because I don't know how you do it, listening to this and then chatting. I I can't. <laughs> I must be really old. <laughs> I can't handle all that. <laughs> really old. Oh my! I feel really old. God. So I'm a grandmother. I'm a grandmother with hot boobs. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm having such an identity boobs. crisis. I'm having an identity crisis. Oh. Um, so then my my challenge now now before we talk about the AIDS, my challenge to Robert because I listen to the show and every uh, show he's like, oh I love you and I love your story because I can so relate to it. All right, Robert. By the end of the show. You got you to sell it to me. Sell it to me. I'll sell it to you. Okay. There, there's always, no matter, no matter how the story differs, there's always a piece of it that someone's going to be able to relate to. So I know that I can 
I'll relate to it. I've read part of your story and I've and I've and I've heard some of it. So um, that's why I wanted to bring you on, um, just so people understand how I came across you. I want to touch briefly on a little bit of your history. Um, first, I want to start with give a little backlash to people of a little bit of your story of you know how you became infected and then how you went about moving forward because you were at a younger age where. Somebody like me, I obviously couldn't imagine, you know, being eight years old and going through it. Can you just explain how it how it was for you? Okay. Well, I, I to put it simply, there isn't an eight-year-old in the world that really can understand. I mean, in a way, that was the blessing, is that I had no idea what being HIV positive meant um, because, well, I guess I'll I'll – go over the details really quickly, but um, so I'm actually a twin, and my sister and I were um, born into a military family. Uh, my dad was stationed in Monterey at the time. Uh, my sister and I were born in San Jose about 12 weeks early, about, it's an hour south of San Francisco, and it was 1983, and because my sister and I were born so prematurely, we were both anemic, so we both required blood transfusions at about the same time at six weeks of age. Um, but what happened was I was transferred first to an army hospital in San Francisco. And that fun the funny thing about where I was infected in San Francisco at this hospital is that it is now, uh, if any Star Wars fans out there, it's now the George Lucas Digital Arts Campus in San Francisco. And I recently went back to California last year um, to do a Google consultation. And I totally wrote to the George Lucas people trying to explain I'm coming back after 25 years because this AIDS thing happened to me. Hey, is it possible that I could, like, go see my ground zero? Thanks. Well, they never returned my email at all. <laughs> but I tried. Anyway, so I was infected in California. Um, I've been living uh, – I currently live in Decatur, which is about six miles east of uh, midtown Atlanta. And this is my 12th city. So I, I was born in California. About six months after that, we moved to Hawaii. Um, one of the things I always like to, we always compare having a twins or whatnot. My sister had like a heart murmur. She had meningitis. And then I had crossed eyes. So it's really easy to tell us apart in the baby photos. Uh, yeah. Somehow. Oh, look so at I, you. oh, my God. I could just imagine that. My sister and I post those on Facebook all the time. I'm always so mad. Um, so, so yes, I had a lazy eye, but it becomes a blessing later on. So I had a lazy eye. I had a collapsed lung. I had a brain hemorrhage, which completely explains so much. Uh, if you've all ever heard of a, a spinal tap, I had 13 of those. That's where they stick a needle in your back to remove the pressure oh. off your brain. I was told oh. I didn't cry because I'm such a badass. So... <laughs> I had a 30% at what, chance of, go ahead. At what age is this? This is uh, when, I, like, when I was born. I had all this when I was born. <laughs> all, okay, okay, that's what I was trying to figure out. This is all when you were a baby. And she doesn't yeah, remember cause, it. Because I came out of the oven real early, man, 28 weeks. So oh. I, weighed, I weighed two and a half pounds. My sister oh my and I God. put together weighed less than the chihuahua. So. <laughs> oh, my. Were you? Oh, it's yes, we're here. the lady said I was off the queue. Oh, you're good. No, you're oh, good. fine. Okay, awesome. So then um, California, Hawaii, whatever. I start growing up, you know, Hawaii to Texas, Texas to Connecticut, Connecticut to um, New Orleans, Louisiana. 
And it was about this time in about October of 1989 that the uh, Department of Defense, one of their little divisions for health and blah, 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 um, there's a mechanism where if somebody tests positive for an infectious disease and not just HIV, but if, if somebody in their system tests positive, the, the strategy is that you, you follow where that tissue, organ, blood went and you notify the recipient that they might have been exposed to uh, that infectious disease. So in October of 1989, the US military became aware that my blood donor had tested positive for HIV. And then they sent a letter um, in January of 1990 to Hawaii. But in January of 1990, I was living in New Orleans and I didn't, we didn't, my family never got this letter. And pretty much the way that the Department of Defense handled it was that, oh, well, they sent the letter, so their job was done. I mean, they didn't really follow through to see if the, the letter had reached us. So then, uh, Back to my lazy eye, it was causing issues in my elementary school classes. And I used to wear like a patch over my stronger eye to, to strengthen right. the weaker eye. And I got made fun of and people called me like a pirate or whatever. And my sister, she stood up for me in the playground, this guy that was like on the balance beam or something, cause we had one in New Orleans, uh, was making fun of me and she pushed him and he landed on his crotch. So my, my sister has always been there for me. <laughs> You know, she's she, your bodyguard. Must, yeah. Oh, and that's and I guess that's the part where I say because we were at different hospitals, my sister's actually HIV negative, and um, I'm HIV positive. So uh, it's I know that it's hard for her to relate sometimes, and but she's she's always there for me, and she lives with me currently, but she's out with my roommate because it's my roommate's birthday today, who is also a twin, um, and I got my roommate. Uh, some condoms for her birthday because I'm not really good at the girl things. I'm really good at the guy things. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nina, I, I have a um, I have a confession to make, and What's not that? to not to take this away from you, but I, I'm gonna I'm a twin as well. Nice. I am. <laughs> See. I always forget real that, twins. Jeremy. <laughs> What's that? I always forget that. Yeah, I'm a twin. Isn't it oh, fun? My brother's two minutes older than me. Are you all fraternal or identical? We are fraternal. So are we. Exactly. Yeah. I always tell people that the reason, the way that you tell my sister and I apart, of, um, besides our obvious height difference, is I've got it in the front with the ladies, and she's got it in the back with the trunk. So <laughs> that's, that's the easiest way. Like, if we, if we had stuck together, we'd be the perfect woman. <laughs> um, but in my defense, in my defense, AZT took my ass. Okay. <laughs> I wish it would take mine. <laughs> it's given me a big one and a big belly. Um, but but continuing on. That was one off. of the things, Nina, that I wanted to bring up was um, you started meds at what age? When when I was diagnosed. When eight. you were diagnosed, so at eight years old, and how was mm -hmm. it? Doing how was it taking meds and going because you know you were your dad was in the army and he was moving from city to city how was that like transition going and meeting having to constantly meet new friends and and all that well I was I was just getting to that part of the story like the diagnosis part because it's really good uh -huh. um, <laughs> so oh, <I'm> <laughs> it, it, it has to do with the lazy eye so the lazy eye I had surgery when I was one and a half 
whatever. And then the effects of the surgery wore off. And by eight and a half, I was just like on my seventh pair of glasses and they're like, okay, we got, we got to do something about this. So I was in, from New Orleans, we moved to New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia, Cherry Hill. What up, Cherry Hill? So um, I had surgery at eight and a half. And what happened um, was that at this hospital, they didn't test anybody under the age of 15 because in the early 90s, nobody really thought about women, nobody thought about children, and uh, I guess nobody under the age of 15 has sex. I don't know. But um, the paperwork, the, so the paperwork that they give to adult patients, I guess over the age of 15, differs from pediatric patients, and somebody makes up the paperwork, and that's how I was tested. And they found out the day before my surgery that I had tested positive, and this was December of 1991. And then uh, my, my parents found out a week later after the surgery, and I don't really remember it, but I remember the following month I went to Washington, D.C., and I got my hair first at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. You all might have heard of it um, in Washington, D.C., starting in January of 1992, and that's how I remember the, doc the doctor told me, not not my parents. Um, wow. Yeah. Jeremy, is she breaking yeah. up her phone? Yeah, she's getting – I hear some stuttering. Okay. Do you? That's yeah, me. just a little bit. Hmm. Okay. So, so um, is this any better? No, no. It's the same thing. You might want to try to call back in. Okay, let me do that. Yeah, call right back in. And Nina will be <laughs> right back with us. Um, and as we're waiting for her to call back in, Jeremy, she's a hoot and a half. I told you. <laughs> oh my God. I know people are in. There's some folks in the in the in the chat room going, "Boy, Jeremy's met his match." <laughs> I'm like, that's right, damn it. And just a reminder to the people out there listening, you can call in. Um, we're going to let her share a little bit more of her story first, and then I'll open the calls, the lines for you to all to call in. But the number is there, 347-215-9442, because everybody waits to the last minute to call in. <laughs> <laughs> they do. You know it. And then, like I did that the other night when, um, on Wednesday afternoon when I was on with Jack. I opened the lines up in the last 10 minutes. Everybody called in. It was just like when we were flooded. I had like five or six callers that day. So wow. Kind of cool. So people, don't be afraid to call in and please and call chat in. With us. Please. Because we please. sometimes get lonely. <laughs> I know at least I do. I get lonely. Because Rob is mean to me and he just makes fun of me on, on the air. And. You said oh, to that guy in the chat room, and he really believed you. <laughs> He's like, "Well, that's not nice of Robert." And I was like, "Wait a minute! <laughs> wait, wait, wait! I'm not. I'm nice. Believe me." <laughs> so just um, I, I have some announcements while we're waiting for her to get in. I'll call back in. I'll make some quick announcements. Just so everybody knows, um, obviously, Pazian Radio is a part of the Pazian community, and you can check that out at Pazian.com and create a profile there. Um, but we just started a group chat for members only of the POSIM community, and it's every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So you can always call in, you know, or chat, join us for an open forum chat, and we have Nina back here. So let's bring her back on. Nina, are you there? Hello. Yes. Hello. Yes. Yay. Yay. Like that anymore. Yes. I know. I'm sorry. I th see, I thought there was going to be like this party thing because my roommates were supposed to come back from Six Flags and do their thing here, but I guess they just decided that they would party without me. That's lame. That is lame. <laughs> That's fine because it means I, I get to come downstairs because I don't really have a good signal upstairs, and that was kind of a problem. 
Um, anyway, so I was just diagnosed at eight and I think Robert was asking me what that was like. And I can tell you, I remember distinctly being told, Nina, you're, you have HIV, the human immunodeficiency virus. Okay, does any eight-year-old know immunodeficiency? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? No. I didn't think so. No, um, yeah. But thankfully, it was 91, so Magic Johnson had just had his press announcement a month before. And, like, immediately in my mind, I, I thought that that made Magic Johnson and myself family. And so that's how I, that's how I processed it. And I would tell, like, everybody. I, no kid knows how to keep a secret. And I just, I had no freaking idea that it was anything that I should be uncomfortable talking about. So, um, you know, and obviously that stayed with me <laughs> throughout time. So I used to tell my classmates all the time, hi, my name is Nina. I'm related to Magic Johnson. It was it was a good way to make friends, honestly. I mean, you see you see the look on their face because I'm this short brown chick and I'm likening myself to a, a tall black man. And so they're scratching their head, and the the first question out of their mouth is 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 how. <laughs> and then you'd say, oh HIV, and they're like, oh great, you know, because they don't know. <laughs> They just, you know, but then the problem is that they run home and they go, Mommy, Daddy, this girl at school, she's related to magic. Isn't that great? And they're like, really? And then the kids would say at some time, like, AIDS or HIV, and then that's where the problems would start. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. I can just imagine. <clears throat> yeah. it's it, All all of the, the AIDS children, as I like to call ourselves, uh, have the the whole school issue as a problem. But, um, um. Because I guess a lot of the parents were uncomfortable. This is the problem because my parents really didn't talk to me about what happened, really. Like it wasn't a, you know, the, the only reason I know most of this is because we change doctors every so often. I know, Robert, you were asking about that. So every time I changed doctors, my parents would be there. My parents would tell the doctors the story. So this is, this is how I learned what happened to me, is listening to them tell the doctor, but I'm, I'm telling you that the conversation between my parents and myself never really happened. Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, I'm sure they feel terrible about it, and I'm sure a lot of it is guilt, and I, I know that they did the best that they could. Um, but because they never had that conversation with me in the interviews that I give and things like that, if I'm not telling it correctly, you know, this is how, this is how I've processed what kind of information that I was told or not told or indirectly told. So uh, no worries if, if we don't get the details completely correct because bottom line is, is that I'm still, bit, I'm still infected and it's been a long time and I'm still funny. So <laughs> if, you get nothing, if you get nothing else, <laughs> that's that. Um, <laughs> I'm infected and funny. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Oh, God. I so, uh, and I jokingly, because I tend to forget the details, and I jokingly call it my AIDS timers. <laughs> 26 years is a really long time, and I personally choose to focus on maybe the last three months than, than something that happened 26 years ago. But I understand that people do get a lot of benefit from hearing stories like mine. And um, I know it was really hard for me a few months ago when my friend passed away. Uh, and that's when Robert contacted me about 
being on the show and he was just kind of, it was two days after my friend died and Robert was like, do you want to talk about HIV? No, I don't want to talk about Not HIV. Really. <laughs> Robert sometimes has that effect on people. <laughs> I mean, it's not his fault. He, he didn't know, but I just, you know, a part of my growing pains, I, I had never met anybody living with HIV until I was maybe about 17. Uh-huh. I had it my entire life and I never met anybody. Until um, I was 17, and then the second person I met, I was 21, so I'm about to turn 26. So most of this is is pretty recent to me, but um, I, I find that the humor is universal, so that that um, makes me very happy. Right. So, uh, so what about I, high school and, and and dating? Did you did you date? Okay, I was not school? as attractive as I am now <laughs> when I was in high school. <laughs> Seriously, I had 12 teeth removed when I was 12. I had, like, all kinds of teeth happening in there. And, and I mean, I have to say, I have rather large teeth for such a small jaw. I think I just scare men, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, how, how are you uh, handling the dating thing right now? Um, you know, I just don't. I, it's, it's, it's totally not me. <laughs> it's not me. It's them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I, I, it's so funny because a lot of people ask me about dating and things like that. And I haven't dated a lot. I've had two long-term relationships and I've had two fun times, fun people, non-boyfriends as I like to call them. Um, (laughs) we have some off color terms for those people. Um, but it's just, I haven't really had time to, cause I'm trying to focus on myself and my career and things like that. And I feel like if somebody really wants to get to know me, they will. And if not, you know, I'm still just doing my thing. But I, it's more me that I'm being too picky, as um, Sherry Lewis was saying. Uh, he has to be condom worthy, especially <laughs> since I've now stopped working nonprofit because my my roommate, I gave her those condoms um, from New York. Those were the first box of condoms I've ever bought in my entire life. I'm used to getting them for free. So now if I'm actually going to pay for these darn things, you better be worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because before, you know, it's free. You cost me, what, a beer? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's, you know, and then people ask me, do you, do you prefer positive people or negative people? And it's completely not anything about that to me anyway. Um, just, I, I do have a slight, I'm sorry, straight positive men. I do have a slight prejudice against them, but it's only because those people tend to seek me out because I'm so confident and that I'm because I'm positive, you know, and I don't want people to want me because of my status. I might be idealistic or in, in thinking that, but, and also I'm not going to keep your secret. I can't even keep mine, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, there's so much more to the person and, and I'm, Yes, I have had a long history with this disease, and, and I'm comfortable with it. And I would need them. If they're really comfortable with it, then we can talk. But in most cases, they're really not. And if you're seeking me out for my status, that says something about you. So, um, no, I don't have a lot of sex. But the times that I do, you know, they're really great. So, whatever. <laughs> I'm still young, and I'm still hot. So. That, that, is, that is so true. You are very young, and you are quite the looker. Thank you. 
You're welcome. You. I, I looked her up online, guys, and let me tell you, the tatas. Nice. <laughs> like, I was thinking earlier today, it should be like a state fair thing. Guess, guess, guess the weight. Those ladies. <laughs> yeah, and Mina. So, so there, there was a point, Nina, in your life, um, we were talking earlier, and you were saying where they told you that, or, or you believed that you weren't even going to graduate high school, and now recently yeah. graduated college. Um, when, I, when I was, so middle school was pretty uneventful. I mean, it didn't, it, uh, middle school was mostly me flushing my meds down the toilet because I didn't want to know what taking those, medi- what taking those meds meant. Um, <clears throat> You know, when I was first diagnosed, I'd have to wake up at four in the morning every morning because I took AZT about four times a day. And um, by the time I was in, in middle school and high school, it was just like constant medication stuff. And I would just go all the time. Like my bottle would be empty, but it would be because I hit it or because I flushed it down. And it wasn't, it was, it was just kind of, it was a lot of pressure for me. It wasn't so much the HIV. It was like, you have to take these meds to live and like you're gonna have to live with this for the rest of your life and I was just you know what what teenager wants to think that they're gonna die especially since so much of my childhood was like oh my gosh you shouldn't even be alive you shouldn't even be alive and um, I was I was explaining this to someone that for most of my childhood I waited to die and then I didn't which is cool hooray but (laughs) but then you get to your teenage years and your college years and and I start thinking, okay, now that I'm not going to die, I need to learn how to live. But I was so busy, like, trying to go to school and trying to work and try to figure out how to support myself for living with this in a long-term way that, you know, I I really haven't had a lot of fun and haven't had a lot of sex (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I've just been so focused on how do I provide for myself. Um, and so Friday night, I hoped to have changed that in terms of, you know, going out and having fun. And, and really, since I turned 25, there's really nothing like turning 25 and being happy with what you've done in HIV, because I've only been working in it for about three years. Um, but because I, I just nobody really knows how long you'll live with this disease, especially if you've had it your entire life. So very much so after I turned 21, 22, I was like, okay, I need to do something other than be a survivor. So I did, I went out and I consulted with Google. I worked for CDC. I worked for the United Nations and things like that, because I wanted to have been able to say that I did something besides just tell people my story. Um, And then when I was in Switzerland last summer working for the UN and and I celebrated my birthday there, like I was, I was very happy with what I had done and and now it's kind of I'm at the point where okay now I can go have fun, and and meet boys and do fun things with boys and catch up on all the stuff that I missed out you know over the last uh, 16 years since my diagnosis. So wow, <clears throat> wow, wow, wow. That, that, <laughs> I know. It, it's just you look back at it and go, especially living with it all of your life and not knowing anything different. Yeah. So this is where our relation kind of diff- takes a fork in the road, right? Because yeah. you've had it, you've had it, you've had it all of your life. Those of us who contracted it later in life look back and go, my 
gosh, if if you can live with it from being a very small baby and a twin at that. Well, most of it I didn't know, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, well, Some I mean, my God, I mean, the worst thing, you had crossed eyes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, Cookie Monster are... was my idol. I love Cookie Monster, and I remember the first the first speech I gave at Emory, where I where I go to graduate school for like four years now. I'm doing I'm doing the uh, four year route instead of a two year program. Um, the first the first time I disclosed in front of my peers here because it's so difficult to do that here. Yeah. Um, it's it's easy to do it in front of strangers, but in front of people that you'll see again, mm-hmm. um, it's it's. Because they know too much about you, but um, I brought Cookie Monster then to that event. Because Cookie Monster and I go way back. I love Cookie. I used to have a Cookie Monster puppet thing. That's right. Yeah, I did when I, growing up. I I love Cookie Monster. I took him to school every day. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I was one of I was that kid who brought his blanket and stuff to school. I was that kid. That's funny. Who probably had lunch with the cross-eyed girl because nobody else would. would. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so nice of you. You could bring your twin to my lunch table. Exactly. <laughs> so what now? What are you looking to do now? What What does the future hold for Nina Martinez? Um, let's see. Goodness. You know, I don't know because I'm 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 trying to do like a career change in my life where I can leave my my personal life at home and and just have a separate work career. So I'm I'm trying. It's so funny because you look at my resume and it's it's nothing but but HIV and I'm having the fun most fun time writing cover letters trying to tie that to something else like <laughs> measles or something because <laughs> I'm trying to get my master's in public health, but I'm I'm trying to to find a, another career just because it's time and uh and and I don't I don't know how HIV and measles go together or like HIV and arthritis although I probably could make a pretty good argument uh but really I just want to be able to to pay my medical bills and to have my career and to just have fun I I, I'm looking forward to having fun with my life and and moving on from I'll always have this as a background. I know that, and I'll always be active in HIV in some way. But um, what I've found is is working in HIV in the way that I have that my coworkers tend to find out about my status and use it for their own agenda. And it's kind of like, well, I worked really hard to to be here where I am, and you're pretty much using my story, which isn't really relevant to my my work ethic and my professionalism and the fact that I owe Emory $140,000 for my fancy degree, um, you know, it, it kind of cheapens it in a way. If I, if I can't be the public health professional that I want to be because you're so focused on something that happened to me 26 years ago, um, it's, it's a difficult minefield to navigate. And then I'm looking forward to, to doing something else for a little while. I'm looking forward to Turning 30. Oh my goodness, Robert, I'm so jealous. <laughs> that's that's really like I don't I don't have long term plans. I have like I'm tur- I'm going to turn 30 someday. That's like the the, the height of because I feel like I'll, I'll be going somewhere in my life by then. Not that I haven't been anywhere already, but you know the chaotic 20s. Who needs this bullshit? I I don't. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to be old. <laughs> You're ready to get old, aren't you? You're ready to get old. <laughs> I'm waiting for my outside to match my inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, I have um, a, a caller on the line. Wow, do we? 
Yeah, so if anyone out there is interested in calling, you can give us a call at 347-215-9442. Let me bring JC from San Diego on. JC, what are you up, there? Callie? Is he there? Let's see. Try to again. Can you guys hear me? JC, can hear are you there? Hey, JC. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Hey, guys. Um, it's JC. Um, welcome, Nina. And I wanted to tell you, Nina, um, I'm also from New Orleans. Awesome. And I have a question for you. What do you think is the hardest thing about d dating with HIV? Well, fortunately for me, I, I worked in it for a really long time. So if people ask me, you know, what do you do? And it just kind of, I build it into the conversation. I used to build it into the conversation that way. I'm, I say used to because I'm trying to retire. But uh, <laughs> it's just kind of. Uh, it's very conversational, and I, for me personally, it's just so much easier to, to be upfront about it. And likewise, I would expect somebody to be upfront about, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of a double standard that people, because I know that I'm positive, like people expect to hear that. Um, I have no issues with it, but at the same time, I would expect somebody to say, you know, I'm HIV negative. I don't have any STDs. Like, and I would also appreciate if they could be upfront about telling me if they're going to be an asshole or not, you know. That'd be nice to know. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, don't don't hide that from me now. Right. <laughs> hey. um, it's just, it's. I feel like for two reasons. One, you find out upfront that, you know, they have open prejudices, and that's fine. Like, that's, that's a favor to you. But secondly, if you, if you wait, you don't know later on if they see that as something that's dishonest because they might see it as dishonest much more than they had an issue with it. But you won't know because you right. waited with the two that it is. So for me personally, I just, you know, it's, it's just so much easier to be upfront about it. And thankfully, I've been upfront about it mostly my entire life. And no, I don't, I haven't had a lot of, you know, boyfriends, but I don't think I've ever been rejected for it, which is, awesome for me you know it, I reel them in with my boobs and then they, they, they weed themselves out because they're not worthy so <laughs> that's the, how that works so out. the tatas work for you <laughs> they do <laughs> well thanks for calling in alright guys thank, thank you alright that was really cool so if anyone else is interested in calling in uh, give us a call 347-215-9442 um, you know one of the things I want to talk about me? What you say, on? I said, are the chat room people making fun of me? No, not no, at all. not at all. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to talk about is how kind of me and you first crossed paths. Ah, um, yes. A lot of the people um, who may listen on a regular basis know that I'm involved with a campaign called Does HIV Look Like Me? And you were involved in that campaign at once, too. And mm -hmm. you had a video, and I remember seeing your video. And, I, and again, you can tell the story, Nina, because you know better than I do. <laughs> When I sent you my email, um, what was it? Uh, my goodness, so it's like 2007. A lot happens in in, in her years, video. But, uh, okay, she has the wind going and her hair is blowing all out nice and everything. And I made a comment to her about her her hair. Yeah, he, yeah, he was like, "Hi, we're on. We're both in the same campaign, and I just want to say that I really love your hair." And so, of course, I thought he was straight, and then I was sadly disappointed to hear that he was gay. And, you know, we just never really went anywhere. 
But that's how we first came across each other. You know, we were both involved in that campaign. And then I seen you, you know, articles written in HIV Plus magazine and things of that nature on you. And, you know, that was when I felt the need to reach out to you again when we were looking for guests. And it just so happened to fall, like you said, around Shelton's passing, which who was also an um, ambassador for the campaign as well, because Shelton had a video and still has a video up there. And, um, you know, and him passing away, I know, was something that was difficult for you. And I just wanted to touch a little bit on it just because there's people out there who may be in the process of losing someone or just lost somebody close to them or somebody like me who's never lost anybody who was really, really close to me and dread that day. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're still going through the process, but what gets you yeah. going? I what mean, keeps it's, you going? It's this, this only happened, you know, three months ago. And, right. and um, Shelton and I, we, Shelton Jackson, for those of you who uh, don't know him, um, passed away at age 31 about three months ago on March 2nd. And um, he and I met because we went and did a, a young person's college tour on, on that lady just keeps bugging in my business, telling me how I'm off the queue. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, we were we were working for an organization called Hope's Voice, and what they do is HIV peer education on college campuses. And the year that I joined in 2006, and Shelton joined as well, um, we were doing this college tour on an RV. So six to eight of us get on an RV and go to about 20 college campuses for six to eight weeks at a time. Um, but Shelton and I were both on it for about a week, the last week in May of 2006. Um, and then since then, still working with the organization, we, we switched from the road rules HIV format because, gosh, you poor six to eight HIV, wow, positive people. You get to know them really quickly when you put them on an RV together. Um, you all might know Marvelyn Brown, who is also coming on to the show in, in a couple weeks. She was yeah. on the tour with Shelton and I as well. Um, Shelton and I continued speaking together um, from May of 2006 up until maybe October of 2007. And so we've missed flights together. Um, Shelton moved to Atlanta in March of 2007, and we shot the uh, Does HIV Look Like Me videos in April of 2007. So my video that was on the website, um, I'm no longer part of the campaign, but the video that was on the website, Shelton actually shot that for me. Um, he was the person behind the camera for two days. So you see my sunglasses appear and disappear, and my hair is all crazy, and I wore the same outfit for those two days, but as Robert pointed out, that there were some lapses in continuity and, and things like that. So it's um, I'm reminded every time I watch that video that there was somebody behind that camera, and that person was Shelton. Um, Shelton moved to back to – he's from Newark. He moved back about uh, – about a year ago in May of last year. And then um, he went into the hospital of February of this year. And it wasn't even a question in my mind uh, whether or not I could afford to go see him, you know, because when, when somebody's having a hard time and somebody's, you know, approaching the end and things like that, you don't even think about it. That's what credit cards are for. You'll worry about it later. And so right. um, I went to see him in the hospital in mid-February. I spent the night at the Newark airport, which was a new experience for me. Um, I came back with influenza A. That was super. Uh, Shelton had had called to to make sure that I got home okay. And then um, about three weeks later, he passed away. And um, 
you know, and, and I went to the funeral, which was March 7th, 6th or something like that. Um, I had never, I've never been to a funeral in my entire life. Uh, so because I was in the military family and I was away from extended family, I just, I've not been around when, when extended family members pass away. So to have somebody that was so close to me, you know, my age, he was 31, you know, having the same disease that you have, it was really, really hard. Um, so then two days afterwards when Robert contacted me, it was, this show was the furthest thing from my mind. And I, I apologize if I was rude because I was just, no, I was just so, so angry, you know. I was right. so angry that there really isn't, in terms of media that you see, that they use positive people for prevention, things like that. But I, I don't feel like in TV or in posters or things like that, that they have a lot of messages that show you how to live with this disease. I think it's kind of messed up that after 26 years, it's really not out there. And, and you know, I know that before Shelton passed away that he was very frustrated with, with that, just the way that things are in terms of in the HIV community that there seems to be a lot of business and prevention, but nobody really focuses on, okay, now that you have it, besides what pills to take and that you can live, nobody really shows you how to live. And I feel like there, I don't need much more proof than to look in my own life and to see how much fun I've, I've not had because I've worked so hard trying to provide for myself. And um, I, I, I just think about him every day. I'm not a completely religious person, but I will pray to Shelton. He is my Jesus, <laughs> you know. Um, it, it was just funny because I, I, when I was working at CDC, that he, he had, uh, I worked in the Division of HIV and AIDS Prevention, so I've done this like 24 hours a day. And um, I remember the first day I tried to go back after I heard that he passed away, the water main broke. So they were evacuating everybody out the building, and I just looked up and I was like, "Thank you, Shelton. Thank you, because you know I couldn't do this today." So. Um, um, I'm not religious, but I know that he's real, and he was very real to me, and I'll miss him every day. And if I could do half the things that he did uh, in my own life, you know, that that's how I'm going to honor him. So. I think that's amazing. I really do. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and if any listeners have any, any grieving tips and things like that, because this is my first one, as I'm saying, um, I'd love if people could share that with me. I have no idea how to do this. And how can people um, contact you? Um, I'm on MySpace. Um, can they just search your name? Uh, MySpace.com slash Marganina, because I'm a fan. Instead of Margaritas, it's Nina. <laughs> that, that was my nickname on tour. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then uh, also, also on Twitter, the same thing, Twitter.com slash Marganina. And uh, and you'll and and on Google if you want to Google me because I Google myself all the time just to see what's what's out there. I'm right. quite vain, I guess, in that respect. But um, Nina Martinez is like the same name. It's a very common Mexican name. So there's a million of those, you know. But if I found that the best way is if you put Nina Martinez in quotes and then you put HIV after that, that's me. Gotcha. <laughs> there's only one. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I, I, I just um, came across today was your um, video for um, Cable Positive that I have posted on the Positive community so people can see it. And one of the quotes in there that I love that you said was, you know, 
what, why do you want to study a pan, an epidemic because you're a part of one? And it was just very touching and very, like, so truthful, and it, like, it rang in your voice, and, and just the way that it, it all flowed together, it was a beautiful video. Oh, thank you. Um, for, for those of you who aren't aware of Cable Positive, it's uh, the Cable Industries HIV and AIDS Advocacy Organization. And what they do is they produce public service announcements to distribute to, to cable um, networks. And the one that I shot was in two, September of 2007, and it was part of a campaign called We Have Work to Do. They have previous campaigns where they use celebrities and things like that, but what they tried to do with the 2007-2008 campaign was use real stories and things like that. So they approached me about doing it, and initially they wanted to go the, the twins, like can you tell which one of us has HIV and things like that. Right. Um, but me, I'm a public health person, and I wanted to know, you know, what really is the message when you're looking at twins where one is positive and one is negative? Like, that's not really something that people can relate to, um, or I don't feel like that there's a message from that if you're right. looking for something to relate to. And for me, at that time, I had the same mindset that I do now. Like, to me, the real story was that I grew up with this, and I lived long enough to do something about this, and I going to continue to do something about HIV, you know, as, as long as I can. And I wanted that to be the story. I wanted it to be, you know, I've had this my entire life. I'm finally at an age where I can do something and be a part of the solution, and which is one of the taglines. So mm -hmm. I worked with Cable Positive to actually rewrite the piece to send the message that I wanted to send. And, and um, hands down, I'm, I'm very happy with it. So you guys That's can see that great. at youtube.com slash Cable Positive if you're interested. It's also on my MySpace page because I'm quite vain. <laughs> One of the Somebody's got to write this down. Somebody's <laughs> got to write it down. It might as well be me. <laughs> You're so funny. One of the other big things in your, in your Does HIV Look Like Me um, campaign video is you talk about clinical trials and, and why you do them and because they help give back to the science that's saving your life. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about them? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I know people I, have well, different. I know people have different like opinions on it, so I just like to know. Cause, you know what I mean? Because you obviously are involved in this a little bit more, so I just like to hear what you think about clinical trials. I guess. Okay. Well, I'll preface it with the part that um, I was also a, a college student at Georgetown, so um, anything that I could do to to get some extra dollars for math books and things like that, I was happy to do. So, so part of it was the, the money aspect. Part of it um, was that the military care wasn't all that. And so I, when I was in college, I went to the National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland, which is where the president gets his uh, physicals and things like that. But the National Institutes of Health is, is right across the street. And I found that um, because they're so interested in advancing science and things like that, they take a real vested interest in their patients. And, and I liked feeling that I mattered um, because the military healthcare system is great for the people that it's intended for, and that's healthy people. But um, I think we've all seen in, in various news reports and things like that, that when something happens to our servicemen and women, like they haven't been getting the best care. And I just find that kind of ridiculous. Um, so I initially got into it because I, I wanted better care. Um, and I had no idea about aid service organizations at the time. I just, I just crossed the street and I went to NIH. So that's how I became involved in, in looking up clinical trials and things like that. But 
when I say clinical trials, I have to be more specific if they weren't drug trials, um, because I've been doing so well that I'm fairly treatment naive. I, I was on ACT for a long time, and then I switched to DDI, and I wasn't on combination therapy until 2002 is when I started taking more than one drug. Um, and then technically, I don't even think I've been on heart, which is the with the protease inhibitors. I've never taken a protease inhibitor. Um, and then I actually stopped treatment in December of 2006. So I've been med-free since December of 2006. Um, but I, 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 when I was in college, I used to go to clinicaltrials.gov and look up the different trials. And they take my blood. They'll do different immune system studies because I definitely think that whatever is in me or whatever my immune system is doing should be reproduced <laughs> and given to people. So um, in, in that way, if I can give blood or give a CT scan or if people can figure out what the heck is making me tick so long, uh, I would love to share the love, not the HIV. <laughs> we, we like yeah. that about you. Thanks. <laughs> I got to give props. That, that quote actually came from my friend Christina Rock, who is one of the original AIDS babies from Key West, Florida. So she's a... Uh, one awesome. of the questions, Nina, one of the questions we have in the chat room here comes from Scott, and he asks, um, are, are you interested? He says that you're a great speaker, you're funny as hell. Are, are, are you, did you ever think about writing a book? <laughs> I did about five years ago. I had a, um, one of my college assignments was, gosh, that lady. <laughs> um, I thought about it five years ago in, in college, but see, I have a degree in mathematics. I don't really consider English my first language, even though it is. And mm -hmm. I've just been through so, so, so much in my life that I, I can't even, the, the biggest cardinal rule of book writing is that you have to have a message. And I have no idea what that central <laughs> message would be. It's like AIDS ADD. It just, it, it changes <laughs> so much. <laughs> I just, I just leave it alone. And you know what? I, I enjoy giving interviews and I enjoy giving talks because they're never the same. We're, we're all changing people. And That's right. I don't, I don't think I could ever settle down to, to write a book. Um, well, I, I, think just, I can't even write my master's thesis. So, uh, <laughs> which well, I they have ghostwriters. Exactly. That's true. Yes. Hey, we have another question. We have another question in the chat room. And um, the question is, what's your T-cell and viral load? <laughs> I told you, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I knew we were going to cover all this today. And we got um, 90 seconds, so go ahead. Awesome. Uh, my viral load is, is marginally detectable since I've been off medications. Um, and I go every three months. I get my carrot emery. My T-cell count was low during college. It's, it's higher now, actually, than I'm off medication. And probably because I'm not in a Catholic school anymore. So <laughs> I'm doing fairly Amen. well. <laughs> Amen. Exactly. Amen. Thank you, Shelby. Well, Nina, we're getting down to our last minute, so I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your amazing story with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Nice Nina. to this meet you, great. Jeremy. Nice to meet you as well. I'm gonna have yes. to, you're gonna have uh, we'll have to email. That's right. <laughs> thank you, and America. Of, <laughs> the last question that I want to have for you, and we'll close out with, is what has your HIV status taught you? Um, that I'm a rock star. Yes. <laughs> there you have it. Nina Martinez is a rock star. <laughs> Nina, I think you're so inspirational, and um, 
I hope you never stop telling your story. <laughs> I won't, just for you. I'll keep my hair in the wind for you. All right, Nina, you have a great night. <laughs> Thanks, Nina. Bye-bye. And remember, folks, you can find more about me at posim.com, and you can also learn more about Jeremy at PositivelySpeaking.com. Jeremy, have a great night. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.